Today's scripture reading is from Genesis 22, 1 through 19. After these things, God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, Here I am. He said, Take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah, and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains, of which I shall tell you. So Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey, and took two of his young men with him and his son Isaac. And he cut the wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place of which God had told him. On the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place from afar. Then Abraham said to his young men, stay here with the donkey. I and the boy will go over, over there and worship and come again to you. And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac, his son. And he took in his hand the fire and the knife. So they, so they went both of them together. And Isaac said to his father, Abraham, my father, and he said, here I am, my son. He said, behold, the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? Abraham said, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering, my son. So they went, both of them, together. When they came to the place of which God had told him, Abraham built the altar there and laid the wood in order and bound Isaac, his son, and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then Abraham reached out his hand and took the knife to slaughter his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, Here I am. He said, Do not lay your hand on the boy or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God, seeing you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him was a ram caught in a thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called the name of that place, the Lord will provide. As as it is said to this day, on the mount of the Lord it shall be provided. And the angel of the Lord called to Abraham a second time from heaven and said, By myself I have sworn, declares the Lord, because you have done this and and have not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you and I will surely multiply your offspring as the stars of the heaven and as the sand that is on the seashore. And your offspring shall possess the gate of his enemies, and in your offspring shall all the nations of the earth be blessed, because you have obeyed my voice. So Abraham returned to his young men, and they arose and went together to Beersheba. And Abraham lived at Beersheba. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your presence uh, here with us this morning. We thank you that your presence is just as real uh, as our very own, and that you delight uh, to work in our hearts through the reading and the meditation of uh, this scripture. So, Father, we pray uh, that you would work on our hearts, that we would hear your voice here this morning, uh, that we would understand more uh, the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We lift all this up to you in Christ's name. Amen. Well, if you've been with us uh, for the past couple months, you know we've been looking uh, at the story of Abraham, and we've been looking at the story of Abraham and how it relates to this thing called faith that we talk a lot about in the church, but often is very hard to understand. What we've discovered from the Abraham story is that it at least helps us to understand what faith looks like, at least in the context of a real life uh, that faces very many real challenges. And uh, just like yours and mine, uh, what you begin to realize as you look at Abraham's life is that faith uh, has many ups and downs. 
And then we come to this passage, which comes later uh, in Abraham's story, later in his life, and we see an incredible test of his faith. I've imagined it like uh, a rubber band. If you think of the Abraham story as a rubber band that keeps stretching farther and farther out, and you just wonder when that rubber band is going to snap under the pressure, when it's going to break under the pressure. And that's how I feel with Abraham as we look at this story this week. And once again, as we reflect on him, we see a few things, a few essentials about this thing called faith as we look at him and his story. And the first thing we really see is that, that faith means that we don't have all the answers. Faith doesn't mean that we have all the answers to God's plan and God's purposes. In fact, if you're reading this passage and paying attention, it probably leaves you, as it did with me, more questions than it does answers. If you remember from the Abraham story all the way back in Genesis 12, uh, God comes to Abraham promising that he will give him a son and he will grow that son into a great nation. Now, that was an incredibly unlikely promise to Abraham because when God came to him, Abraham was old. He was in his 75s, 80s perhaps, and it was very unlikely that Abraham would be able to have a son with his wife, Sarah. But God didn't fulfill the promise immediately. He made Abraham and Sarah wait. They had to wait for 25 years until Genesis 21, when God comes and He makes good on His promises. He gives them a son, and that son's name was Isaac. Our passage picks up this morning in Genesis 22, just a few years later after Isaac had grown up at least to a certain age, and God once again comes to Abraham. But he comes to Abraham with another very unlikely thing, a very unlikely request. And he asks Abraham to travel to another distant land, a three days journey, and when he gets to that place to come up on top of a mountain and to sacrifice his son as an offering to God. We are told why God does this, at least kind of. We're told it generally. It says from the very beginning in verse 1 that God was testing Abraham, that he was uh, in some ways testing the character or the metal of Abraham's faith. And I think anybody who reads this passage uh, approaches it understandably Uh, with a little bit of shock at a request that God would make like this. And uh, it may have come as a shock to Abraham, but it also may not have come as a shock to him. If you you look at ancient cultures, uh, you immediately discover that human sacrifice was not really an an uncommon thing. At least, it was not uncommon in Abraham's day. It was not unusual for someone to sacrifice a child, often their firstborn, uh, to appease the gods or uh, to bring pleasure to those gods. I was reminded of it this week. It was one of those perfectly timed articles I was reading uh, in National Geographic that uh, archaeologists in Peru uh, uncovered uh, what was a mass grave uh, from 500 years ago, and they began uh, dating the bones that they found in the mass grave. And, and what they realized was right around 500 years ago, about 120 to 150 children were sacrificed in one religious ritual event 
to appease the gods in the Peruvian culture. So these things were not uncommon in the ancient world and the ancient cultures, but even as we read it today, uh, we rightly bristle about it. We, we rightly react to it. In fact, even later, the Scriptures condemn human sacrifice as an abhorrent thing. But all of this is a reminder that, uh, that in the ancient cultures, these things were not unusual, and all the ancient cultures around Abraham would have practiced this very thing. But it still leaves us with the question, why would God ask Abraham to do such a thing? Why would God make a promise about a son, make Abraham wait for 25 years for that son to be born, and then ask Abraham to sacrifice that son whom Abraham had dearly loved? If we approach this with questions, you can only imagine how Abraham must have felt. All the questions that must have been churning in his mind, all the things he had to mull over in his mind as he traveled these three days for his, to take his son to this place. And of course, Isaac had his questions too, and I'm sure he had a lot of things that he was wondering about as well. Imagine Abraham's anguish when Isaac, his son, says to him, but father, where is the sacrifice that we are going to offer? Imagine the anguish of both Isaac and Abraham as, as Abraham begins to tie his own son to the altar, preparing the sacrifice. There are so many questions here, and even some questions that remain unanswered today. Things like, why would God need to test Abraham's faith in this way? Why did that test have to be so gut-wrenching and so gruesome? And many people over the years have tried to speculate, try to come up with some answers to those questions, and in some ways try to manufacture some answers to those questions. But in the end, it's important for us to understand that faith is important here. It's important for us to understand that faith doesn't mean that we have all the answers to the questions that persist in our minds and in our hearts. In fact, if we did have answers to all the questions, then it really wouldn't be faith at all. Abraham probably never fully knew the answer to all the questions, and so we are like him. We are left with all sorts of unanswered questions, but we're also reminded that that is what life is about, isn't it? Life is about living in the tension of so many questions that we have that often remain unanswered. One of the most basic and core beliefs that we hold dear in the faith, one of the most basic beliefs is that we worship and serve a God who is sovereign, which means that He is in control of all things. Everything that comes to pass is by the hand of God and is a part of His plan and His purpose. But doesn't knowing and believing that doctrine leave us with all sorts of other questions as a result of it. We might wonder why God has uniquely given us this specific troubled relationship that we have in our lives. We might wonder why we have to walk through some specific trial when it seems like everybody else has life so easy and we have it so challenging. 
You may wonder why our, 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 why our kids tend to be such monsters and everybody else's kids seem to be so wonderfully well-behaved. And even deeper things, we might wonder why God afflicted us with some sort of debilitating disease, or, or why does death seem to visit me and my family more so than anyone else? As someone once said, life is a roller coaster. It's not a monorail. It's full of all sorts of ups and downs. And we often are left to answer the, or ask the question, to ponder the question, why? Why do these things happen to us? Why do these things happen in the world? We are left with so many questions, and there are so many things about God and His plan that remain in the realm of secret to all of us things we don't know and don't understand. So let me be very clear. If you are here this morning and you are waiting for all the answers before you enter into a relationship with God or accept Christ as your Savior, then you will be waiting forever because the nature of faith recognizes that we don't have all the answers, that He is God and we are not. Uh, Kate Bowler is uh, a, a professor at Duke uh, Theological Seminary, and uh, uh, she uh, wrote a book recently uh, called Everything Happens for a Reason. It's actually a book that many of our, our leaders are reading uh, right now. And she tells a story. It's a memoir. She tells the story about how God had given her the, the realization of every dream in her life, all she ever wanted was to be a professor, to have a, a wonderful husband, a loving husband, and, and a child. And God gave her everything that she ever wanted, every dream that she—can we all say that? Uh, every, every dream that she ever wanted was accomplished. And then, in that moment, she gets a call from her doctor that tells her she has stage 4 cancer and that she may not live through the next year. She writes about her experience uh, in her book, and uh, one of the things that she says is, is one of the challenges that she's encountered throughout her disease uh, is well-meaning Christians who have come to her attempting to comfort her and trying to offer answers as to why she is going through cancer and why she is suffering through these things. She talks about the difficulty that that is, and she even offers an appendix in the back of her book of things not to say to people who are suffering. And one of those suggestions is this, don't be so quick to offer a reason or even an answer because faith ultimately recognizes that we just don't have all the answers. Abraham certainly didn't have all the answers we certainly don't have all the answers. And so we've looked at what faith doesn't mean, but we also see in Abraham that faith does mean looking to the one who does have all of the answers. Now, we don't get a very close-up look at Abraham's heart in this passage, but there are two curious passages uh, here that give us a clue as to what was going on in Abraham's heart uh, through this narrative. Verse 5 is one of them. It says this, Then Abraham said to his young men who were with him, Stay here with the donkey. I and the boy will go over there and worship and come again to you. 
And what this passage starts to hint at is the idea that Abraham looked like he was believing that his son would return back with him despite the apparent contradictions that were surrounding him. One commentator said that Abraham, of course, would have been tempted to to cling to the reality of the situation that was presented to him. And of course, we all get stuck there too, clinging to just the simple base reality of the situations that we live in. Abraham had to be caught between common sense and what his brain was thinking, uh, caught between common sense, affection for his son, wondering about the future of his family, and he could have clung to those things, the reality of his situation. But instead, what it appears is that he is clinging instead to the sheer Word of God and his ability in his circumstance. You see, Abraham, of course, would have realized that God had promised a great nation out of his son Isaac, but he also realized this request is incredibly unusual, and that set up this contradiction for Abraham, but he had to live within that apparent contradiction. The second curious passage is found later in the Bible, in the book of Hebrews, where it talks about faith in chapter 11. And it even brings up this narrative when it talks about faith in that chapter, and it says this about Abraham. It says, He considered that God was able even to raise him from the dead, from which, figuratively speaking, he did receive him back. So what do we see from these curious passages? Well, what we see is that Abraham was trusting God with the apparent contradiction of the command that he was given and the promise that he was also living with him. We, of course, have seen that Abraham was trusting God with the unanswered questions. He was trusting God even though he couldn't make sense of it all in his head. He was placing his faith in God anyway. And that's why it reminds us that this really is a story about faith. I don't believe that that these sort of tests are really normative throughout the Scripture, nor are they normative for folks in the Christian life today, but they are normative in the sense that they leave us with a lot of unanswered questions. But what we see out of Abraham was despite all of this, this, despite not knowing the answers, despite everything seeming to be the contrary, despite all of the, the contradictions, Abraham's faith in God was rock solid. In spite of it all, he trusted that somehow God would show up and would provide. And you see it here in verse 14, after the whole matter has been concluded, it says this, Abraham called the name of that place, the Lord will provide. As it is said to this day on the amount of the Lord it shall be provided. You see, we see one final element of faith here as we, as we look at this story and we see it in the broader context of God's Scripture. We see ultimately that faith is looking to Jesus Christ, who was our ultimate sacrifice. 
If you study the Hebrew in this passage, you realize through a lot of uh, clever Hebrew things uh, that verse 8 is the intended linchpin of this entire narrative. It's the most important verse of the entire narrative, and it says this, Abraham said, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering, my son. So they both, so they went, both of them together. And Abraham may have not understood it in that point. In fact, he probably didn't really understand it at that point. But what the gospel does tell us is that this, that ultimately the scriptures are about the story of another son. And that son was Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And what we learn from the gospel is that it was the will of the Father that Jesus Christ, his Son, would be led up another hill, and that hill was called Calvary. But the difference in this story is that this Son would not experience a rescue at the very last minute. Instead, the knife would fall on this sacrifice. This sacrifice would need to be made. This lamb would need to be slaughtered. Ultimately, God did what Abraham didn't have to do in his story. And all of this, the Scriptures tell us, all of this God did for us. He did it so that you and I would not need to bear the just punishment that all of us deserve because of our sin. Instead, the judgment fell on our substitute. The judgment fell on Christ, God's own Son. The cost of redemption was everything, and the Father sent the Son to pay that cost. Romans puts it beautifully, He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? See, friends, God provides. Just as Abraham said, God provides, and his greatest provision was his very own son, Jesus Christ. And so we're reminded from this passage, faith doesn't mean having all the answers, but faith does mean trusting in the one who does have all the answers. Faith is ultimately looking to Jesus Christ, the ultimate provision, the ultimate sacrifice. Let me finish with this quote from Walton. He says this, when all is stripped away and no hope remains, In the dark, in the loneliness, and in the emptiness, there is God. Let's pray.